Sirius XM Sports Podcasts presents Mad Dog's Daily Bite with Christopher Russo. And good afternoon, everybody! It's no surprise. It's a little bit like Serena bouncing back and playing at the U.S. Open. You know, she hadn't played in a year. So, I mean, it's not like, you know, it wasn't... Uh, nobody was surprised when she told uh, that magazine that uh, this was, without using quote-unquote the word, that this was going to be it. And I know she kind of seemed like left the door open a little bit on a Good Morning America appearance this week, saying that Venus is kind of pushing her to continue playing. I don't think that will be the case, although she did play well at the Open, had some chances to get into the second week. But uh, very much uh, like that with Serena, you couldn't have been surprised. She had barely played for 13 months. Injury, 40 years of age. Same thing with Fed, who announced today via, you know, a long Instagram account that uh, and he announced it first thing this morning that uh, tennis has been great to him. He's enjoyed every minute of it. But uh, the Labor Cup, which is in London, uh, it's either this week or next. And maybe that's why I can't get a hold of Patrick McEnroe today because he's on his way over there. But to make a long story short, uh, he, he that will be his last event will be the Labor Cup. That will be a joy. I mean, I believe Nadal, Djokovic and Murray are all playing in that, you know, against the world, which includes guys like Kyrgios and what have you, but uh, the European side, which is a big-time team against everybody else, which would be, you know, uh, whoever they put on that other else team, who has gotten smoked. It's sort of a Ryder Cup format. It's been very successful in the places they've done it. Chicago, Boston, London. I mean, it's had its juice. I don't know uh, if anybody's going to get that. Uh, and I'll be a little more into it than normal because of Fed. Yeah, this will be the farewell. He was going to play in Basel in Switzerland in October, and he did leave open the possibility at the 100th anniversary uh, of Center Court, where they had that ceremony there, middle of the Wimbledon uh, championships this year, saying, you know, I might have a little left. Hopefully next year I'll be back. That was a little nugget that he gave us when he spoke that day, but uh, he has closed it. And, uh, you know, no surprise. He's 40-something. I think he's 41, just turned it. He's had three knee injuries. Uh, You know, there was no way that you could expect Fed to bounce back and play again. So Federer announces his retirement today. Again, that's no great surprise. I think everybody realizes that it was time, and we hadn't seen him for a year anyway, so I don't think anybody's too shocked. I think Nadal may not be too far behind, uh, unfortunately. And Fed leaves back, uh, leaves a legacy that, uh, you know, listen, um, you can quibble all you want or where he ranks all time, and I'm sure we'll spend a little time on it here today in the next three, three and a half, whatever it might be, hours. Uh, you know, listen, he's got 20 Grand Slams. He's got the career Grand Slam. You know, he's won a million Wimbledons, Australian Open, in the U.S. Opens. He snuck out the French when Nadal got knocked out by Soderling and Fed beat Soderling in the final in straight sets. Uh, so, you know, which was very, very important. And in that match, he was in huge trouble against Tommy Haas. And he came back and won, which was important for him because he needed to win a French Open to uh, complete the career. And he got it done. And he obviously had a little rebirth there, uh, you know, in the last five, six years, winning the Australian Open, uh, you know, beating Silich at Wimbledon. I mean, he had a nice little run. Uh, you know, he got back at Nadal some. He beat Nadal in some majors. He beat him in the Australian Open final. He obviously beat him in the semis at Wimbledon a couple years ago. So, you know, he's had some moments here recently. 
um, where, you know, he had the uh, rebirth, which you love. I think in a lot of ways, sometimes Fed might be remembered by some of the terrible losses or the not terrible, but uh, the crushing losses might be a better way to say it, whether it be 9-7 in the fifth with Nadal, whether it would be the uh, match points he had on serve against Djokovic a couple of years ago at Wimbledon where he lost in the uh, fifth set tiebreak at 12, uh, whatever it was. I think he lost 13-12 uh, where he could have won that match. And Djokovic had his number here at the end, winning uh, against Federer probably three, four times, maybe more in the majors. But, I mean, the way Federer played is the best way. To, and I got down on him on a couple of occasions late in his career. That match really bothered me. Four hours and 58 minutes losing to Joker at Wimbledon. He should have won that. That would have been one of the great epic comebacks ever to beat Nadal and Djokovic on the same weekend at Wimbledon because that was the year he beat Nadal in the semis. And then to beat Joker, that would have been superb to get to 21. Uh, and, you know, uh, bailing out of the French Open a couple years ago uh, when he played three rounds and decided that was enough. Treated the French Open almost like a practice event uh, to get ready for Wimbledon. That really bothered than me. Uh, you know, he was annoyed because Djokovic got the earlier starting time on center court, and so he wanted to get back. I don't know. That's what everybody told me, that he was annoyed because he didn't like some starting times late at night and not being the headliner. Who knows? But he used it as sort of an exhibition. That's a grand slam. He should never have done that. He did. And this is after he won three rounds, and he forfeited the fourth. That really bothered the hell out of me. Uh, so, there, you know, he's not perfect, but again, uh, as far as his brilliance is concerned, the style of play uh, the elegance, the movement, uh, do a little bit of everything. Obviously, serving volley. Uh, you know, he never really had a weakness. Uh, if forehands, backhands, you know, the whole nine yards. Uh, you know, he handled losses very, very well. Um, you know, he uh, was good to the media, uh, gave his time. Uh, a brilliant, brilliant player. Uh, I don't know if he's better than Nadal or uh, Djokovic all time. We'll go through that here today, I'm sure. You can rank him any way you want to rank him in the top 10. He's top 10 in all time. I don't know where you want to put him in that top 10. He's probably top five. Uh, you know, you want to put him below Djokovic and Nadal. You want to put him below uh, uh, Laver. Uh, you know, you could go to uh, Borg. You, uh, you got obviously got Sampras there, who never did win a French Open, but he got him in the mix too. Uh, depends where you want to put him. But as far as the way he played, and his grace and his style and, you know, the way he was sort of very pleasing to the eye on the tennis court, his delicacy, his finesse, and he was a bigger fighter than you think he was. Uh, one of the, uh, you know, all-time, it's going to be terribly missed. I mean, I was, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, again, I was a little down on him late in his career, so I'm not going to dispute that. Very annoyed at him a couple times late. Very annoyed at him at Wimbledon with Djokovic's win. He didn't love Djokovic, and Djokovic did have his number here. A couple of U.S. Opens, two or three Wimbledon finals. Uh, but the record speaks for itself. The beauty of his game speaks for itself. Uh, I think the win over Nadal in Australia, down 3-1 in the fifth set, was phenomenal. Then he turned it around and he beat Nadal, of course, at the semis at the French. He beat him a lot late in his career, too, on hard courts. He always beat Nadal at the ATP championships at the end, too. Uh, you know, he was really weighed down in a rivalry, uh, the matchups head to head until the last three or four years where he sort of beat him, I think, five out of six times or six out of seven times. Uh, but again, the bottom line is, is that, uh, you know, where you stack him up historically, uh, we'll spend some time on it. You know, he spans a tremendous era. He spans an era from Sampras to Agassi where there was a gap 
in the great player scenario. Roddick, of course, was very, very good, not great. And he filled that gap before Nadal and Djokovic joined him. Uh, and there was that period there where, you know, after Sampras and Agassi left the scene, you know, you had Leighton Hewitt and David Nobani in and Philippousis and obviously Roddick and, you know, you Safin. And, you know, you didn't have a lot of all-timers in that spot. I mean, Roddick could have been an all-timer if he had beaten Fed once or twice at Wimbledon. He lost a lot to him there. Uh, but, I mean, Fed really, you know, not that it made any difference. He still would have won his share, but he was very fortunate in that spot that he was able to sort of pick up in, in a vacuum after Agassi and Sampras had retired. There wasn't another great player with him. as a touch before Nadal got going. And then Nadal, of course, uh, blossomed, especially on the clay, and away we went. Couldn't beat Nadal at the French Open. Uh, never even got him into a fifth set at the French Open. Uh, you know, he had a couple of finals he had a chance to beat him in uh, where he was ahead. Uh, you know, it was always fruitless watching him play against Rafa at the uh, red clay with the style of play and the, you know, the huge forehands, the big bounce to the Federer backhand, uh, those kinds of things. Um, but uh, again, uh, Roger was the guy that you had to root for. If you, I mean, Roger was unhateable, to make a long story short. You know, there are certain great players that, you know, you just don't love necessarily. I'm sure a lot of people didn't like Connors' behavior, McEnroe's behavior. Agassi could be annoying early in his career, too. Sampras a little aloof. Uh, but, I mean, as far as Lendl, all right, you know, a little suspension by darkness with his personality. You know, Nadal taking forever to play, very quirky. Djokovic, we all know about. Uh, Federer is a very difficult guy to dislike. Even if you maybe didn't root for him and he was almost too pretty for you and, you know, he's too classic and he was too refined and he was, you know, never looked like he was breaking a sweat, which I heard a lot of knock of. And then, of course, when he got into a barroom brawl uh, with guys like Nadal, he had trouble. And obviously he did with Rafa have trouble. And Rafa did beat him at Wimbledon that one classic time uh, in 9-7 and 5th when Rodgers down two sets and bounced back with the rain delay and forced a fifth set before Nadal held in the glooming uh, of darkness 9-7, winning that fifth set. One of the great matches. It's funny, Federer is almost more renowned for being involved in some of the great matches of all time in which he lost than necessarily some of the great wins of all time in which he won a major. You know, the Nadal 9-7 in the fifth at Wimbledon, Djokovic last year, a couple years ago at Wimbledon. Uh, you know, there's, there's two or three of them where it's almost like Nadal, Federer is more renowned for the law, a couple of French Opens, that he's more renowned for defeats than he is for wins. But 20 is 20, no matter how you get around it, 20 is 20. Uh, you know, uh, classy, good guy, and an, I, I I probably wouldn't put him at one right now all the time, and this would have been unheard of eight, nine years ago. I probably won't put him at one right now only because he doesn't have a winning record against Djokovic or Rafa, and he's not going to have as many majors. Uh, so I may not put him one all time uh, uh, historically, and he probably won't be considered. But as far as pleasing aesthetically, having every shot in the bag, no one better. Roger Federer says goodbye. Want more Chris Russo? Listen to Mad Dog Unleashed weekdays from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio, Sirius XM Channel 82. Mad Dog's Daily Bite is part of the Sirius XM Sports Podcast Network. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.